0: If you listen to episode four from now the amount of stuff we've learned about everett i mean on here is awesome
1: i'm one of those guys that like to do it all you <laughs> know um stop looking you found us you're part of the revolution
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whenever you're catching this podcast. I'm Chris Darnell.
1: And I'm Everett
0: King. And this is episode 9 of Welcome to the Revolution. The one everyone's been waiting for, Tim Martin, CEO, President of Special Olympics Texas, joins us today.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Also with some board members, so we get an inside of what the board of Special Olympics kind of right. does and what
1: they what it looks like. Yeah, not only that, we had uh, our Alps representatives, our yeah. our, our uh, main guy, yeah, Bruce, Bruce Clark, Clark, there, the man,
0: yeah. the so. man on top of it all, yeah. <laughs> Uh, And then Ian Ron was also on, uh, part of our Alps uh, State Committee and uh, leadership team also, who also joined us today. Um, So you get a lot of insight about, you know, what the board does. Uh, you meet a couple of members, they, they kind of walk you through why they kind of joined the board and things like that. So it's a really cool insight of, of the workings of special Olympics. And, and if anybody was ever interested in things like that, this is a great podcast to, to let you know, you know, what our board does and, and what our you know, our, uh, the upper uh, staff members do at special Olympics. That's true.
2: Hi, this is Paul Russell audit director with the accounting firm, BKD CPAs and advisors. And we at BKD are so proud to support Special Olympics Texas.
0: Um, We are joined by a few members of the board, um, along with the two athlete leaders. We have Ian and Bruce here as well. Uh, Board members are Chris Kingston from Learfield and IMG College, um, Jake Squires from the Burke Center in Lufkin, and then the one I think everybody's been waiting for, CEO and president of Special Olympics Texas, Tim Martin is joining us this morning as well. To get into it, let's start with Bruce and Ian on the Alps meeting because Friday, y'all held a statewide Alps meeting, didn't y'all? Yes, sir. Awesome. I mean, Everett, you were there- Yeah, uh, I was on, on that. With the Alps meeting for a little bit. I mean, how did it go?
1: Man, I thought it was it was uh, amazing. I, I just love the fact that we were getting all of this you know, information of how the athletes view Special Olympics and the things that they would like to see be implemented uh, in, in Special Olympics. And that's that's the main thing. This isn't, and, you know, I've said it many times on the podcast, mm-hmm. this isn't for, for me as a program director. This isn't for my coaches or my HODs. These are for our athletes. So to see them giving us the input on how to make this uh, better, I was I was like cheesing, yeah, like big old cheese. I tell you,
0: <laughs> yeah. So Bruce, let's go over to you. So what were the main topics y'all were talking about on Friday?
3: Um, we had uh, Sean Lindsay, who is our uh, the chair of the, our executive committee, who was who talked about the history of Special Olympics and just like um, <clears throat> because I'm sure there was a, a few athletes on there who are new to Special Olympics. So we just wanted to go through like a quick run through of like the history of Special Olympics and Special Olympic Texas. Um, so that was our first uh, order of business. And then we had um, Tim Taggart, who is our executive committee representative from San Antonio talk about fundraising um, that athletes could do because I think that'll be really important once we open things back up again in the area is athlete fundraising, because I think it's it's really important for athletes to get involved with the, with the fundraising aspect in their area or in for their team. Because I think a lot of times athletes see the money coming in, but they don't know the hard work that goes behind um, getting that money. Um, so he talked about some different fundraising ideas that he had that athletes could could do in their areas once uh, we open up again. Um, And then we had um, two of our athlete leaders who have been um, active with us through the fitness um, stretches and exercises that we've been doing with Everett and and through Orange Theory Fitness. And they led us in a couple of stretches um, just to get our, our body up and moving again um and then Nathan, who is our representative from this Austin area up up where I am, he talked about our global messenger training and how to recruit more global messengers um, and how to utilize the global messengers once they're trained. And I'll talk a little bit more about the global messenger training later on. Um, And then Ian closed this out by talking about um, our health messenger training that we've been doing the last two weeks. And then also an idea that he had about an athlete and youth uh, summit that we might be doing next summer.
1: Some of the things that, you know, I had a a lot of new uh, ALPS members uh, join the the call. So one of the things that they did was, you know, Inform all of the um, the athletes. Hey, you know, yes, it's fun doing area. Yes, it's fun doing state. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Ian, oh I yeah, I found something out about Ian. I did too. Uh, Mister World Games going to uh, Australia figures figure Austria Austria. Austria Austria figure skating. How do you get into figure skating in Texas, Ian? How can you? How, let me know the the the. The knowledge behind figure skating, please.
0: Yes.
2: Sir, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got involved with it um, because from my personal view of figure skating is uh, I had someone uh, that, that I was... Um, inspired by, and that person is Tara Zapinski. Uh, she won the uh, nineteen ninety eight World Figure Skating medal, and uh, uh, that is what inspired me to be a uh, figure skater and uh, um, and uh, figure skating. Is very important to to my life, and um, I thought I thought of this dream of going to the World Games in Austria and to rep- to represent Texas and my my nation and my family and friends in Austria and go and and compete on the world stage. And uh, um, in watching uh, Tara compete for the gold gold medal, um, my parents knew that I wanted to try figure skating and uh, see what happens. And luckily, amazingly, it happened and my dream came true. Hmm. And I hope to be uh, doing that with a Special Olympics, but also go on the professional circuit and, uh, and compete and be around other athletes who train day in and day out. And they uh, travel to uh, competitions, shows, they go overseas, and they train day in, day out. And uh, that's what I wanted for myself. And also get to meet Tara Lipinski in person. And actually that almost came true
1: wow i
2: caught a a video request uh from my heart doctor and uh uh, he knew someone who who knew tara and uh that's how this video came about and uh as he said I would love to meet you in person. So so hopefully in the future that might happen.
1: So yeah, just like any other sport, you know, Ian is just letting us know that, you know, uh, you gotta put in that work. Oh yeah. You know, day in and day out. Yeah. Um, figure skating not only works on those legs and your ankles, but it also works as as he said, you know, you had to see his heart doctor. Yeah. That's a good cardio little mm-hmm. workout, you know, for, for the athletes as well. So, yeah, Ian, just keep doing it. Um, you know, I heard you got to go to a castle while you were in, uh, for out there for world games. And, and my favorite part was the chocolate factory, right?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the uh, chocolate factory, um, was, uh, is we went as a whole team. Right. And, uh, uh, we had a, a, tour. We got to, um, taste every single chocolate that the, uh, that the uh, chocolate factory made wow. in Austria. And, um, uh their chocolate is peruvian
0: there you go. so awesome man. yes it's yes. a great story of getting to go to world games and, and what other athletes should aspire to go to and and be able to represent um this is awesome ian um so bruce let's go back to you so how many athletes uh, would you say were, was you know were in that meeting and who participated how
3: many athletes what
0: how many athletes were in the meeting on friday join the Alps meeting?
3: Oh, so at one point we had 60, I think was the top.
0: Nice. That's a lot of athletes from everywhere around the state.
3: Yep. Every region I believe was represented.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. So in the beginning, you were kind of talking about a global messenger. Can you kind of walk our listeners to what a global messenger is?
3: Yeah. Um, our athletes go through a training every fall That um, where they can get trained on like writing speeches and giving speeches out in their communities Um, and also talking with social media. We had a social media session last year at our global messenger training. So it's just um, where athletes can come and receive training on um, like giving speeches, uh, fundraising, uh, media interviews, PowerPoint, uh, Microsoft Word, it's just to give them um, all of the tools that they need to be athlete leaders. So that's what the global messenger training is. And then after the global messenger training, they have one year to complete a practicum, um, which is which is where they put their the what they learned at global messenger training and they apply it out in the community. So that's what the practicum is.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, how many how many of these uh, trainings, Global Messenger trainings, do we hold a year in the state of Texas?
3: Um. Usually, we just hold one one in the fall.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. And so, what kind of what kind of goes into a training like that? If an athlete wants to be a Global Messenger, what should they expect if they sign up for that training or go to that training?
3: Um. Each Global Messenger has to have a mentor. Um. In it can be a parent in my own opinion that's not always the best um the best scenario if, if the parent is the mentor for the global messenger just because i think the parent tends to get too involved at times but it can be a parent um but the mentor's main job is to answer questions that the athlete might have about the training or if they're confused about something, or also like the transportation, do the practicum afterwards if the athlete needs transportation, (laughs) Um, that's where the mentor would come in. Um, And we're also uh, thinking about maybe doing a a mentor, a new mentor training this year at our uh, global messenger training too. and another uh, thing that, that, another relationship that we're starting to um, talk with our colleges and college clubs about is, the, is a lot of our colleges have masters clubs, which is like um, where the student athlete like give speeches and stuff like that. So it's a lot related a lot to our global messenger training. So um, I'm working with Dalton Hill, who is our affiliate with TCU, and, and um, some of our other college campuses to see if maybe we can get involved with the Toastmasters clubs on those campuses to see if, if maybe those college students wanted to be mentors for our Global Messenger athletes.
1: Okay. So let me ask you this. How do you become a Global Messenger?
3: Um, that to become a global messenger athletes just have to attend the training um, that we have and then uh, just use that training and go out to their community to their team and just use what they practice
0: okay yeah so long story short athletes should become ALPS members that's right and go on to become global messengers here's here's my here's my last question for you Bruce now uh, some athletes may be confused now, do I have to be if I'm an athlete? Do I have to be a global messenger to be an Alps member? No. Okay, so I can be I can be an Alps member and then go to a global messenger yeah. training. Okay, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So and
3: um, just to clarify, we us as athlete leaders, we aren't too picky about this, but um, it the the word Alps was changed a few years ago because Alps. Um, stands for Athlete Leadership Programs within Special Olympics. And, and it, we changed it to just athlete leadership because um, we didn't want people to get the feeling that, that our athlete leadership, that it was just one program within Special Olympics, that our athletes weren't involved in the whole organization. So that's kind of why we, why we made that switch away from ALPS um but like I said, we aren't we aren't too um too picky against using that word, but but um but I sit on a national athlete leadership committee um for the United States, I sit on the uh, United States athlete input council um so we we do prefer the term athlete leadership as a whole over just out
0: OK. All right. Note taken. I will mark that down. Yes. Athlete leader. Athletes. So, so athletes that are out there, you know, go to your, uh, you know, your program director or reach out to Bruce. Um, you know, his email is on our website, and come become an athlete leader and join the athlete leadership. That's an, an awesome program. And now we are going to bring on Tim Martin, who is our CEO and president of Special Olympics, Texas. Um, came on board in 2018. I believe He can correct me if I'm not correct on that date. Um, But before that was the CEO president of uh, Arizona Special Olympics Arizona. So welcome to the show, Tim.
4: Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. And I have to apologize to Tim because when I called him last week and asked him to be on the podcast, he was like, I've been waiting, man. It took you this long to get me on. I've been waiting.
1: Well, (laughs) believe it or not, believe it or not, we've been talking about that for the last four weeks. We got to get Tim on here.
4: (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. There was too many great stories before me, that's for sure. I'm uh, uh, I'm pretty boring compared to the other topics. Yeah. (laughs)
0: So Tim, do our listeners who may not know um, who you are and your backstory, and your backstory with Special Olympics, can you kind of give us a kind of the cliff notes of of your involvement in Special Olympics through the years?
4: Yeah, you know, I got involved in 1986. I uh, I was I was being brought up in a single parent household, had a big chip on my shoulder, and uh, you know, took advantage of those opportunities I had was blessed with speed and size and the ability to knock people down well and um you know sometimes you get unfair advantages when you're in school because of your athletic ability and that's one thing that did that And i took to use it as a negative and um the closest i ever had to a father was coach mcgowan and he uh he caught me one day making fun of special education students um, in a gym class um and, and sentenced me to special olympics and and kicked me off the team and, and that changed my whole life in the perspective of how um, I met um, individuals and looked at individuals. And uh, I was matched up with a Special Olympic athlete named Diana, who was labeled a behavior problem. And I was labeled a behavior problem. And so through that, it, it just became a whole life-changing experience for me. I uh, went on to college and played sports and did my thing. But after that was done, I went into home and community-based um, Services in the state of Arizona, uh, case management, um, rapidly figured out that government wasn't going to be the solution to um, quick change or the the change that was necessary in the lives of our athletes. They could certainly support it, but it was um, it was organizations that were going to drive that. So, w- was working as a case manager, um, needed a second job, became a special or um, went to work at the YMCA as a facilities director. Um, in just fixing things at night and repairing things after my other day at work and, and that turned into a, a role where I took on almost every director's position there was at the YMCA in the next few years and became the executive director at that Y and still stayed involved. Um, we had over a thousand individuals with um, varying disabilities within our youth sports program and uh And Special Olympics reached out and asked if I'd be interested in that. And being that I had already known a lot about Special Olympics, I I got engaged um, in in the process and was hired as the CEO in um, Arizona and really um, grew through that process, learned about Unified. Unified was something that I was not familiar with, was a life-changing experience because I truly believe I was part of Unified before... there was a name to it. Um, Diana changed everything about me as a human being, and that's what I truly believe: is our athletes have the power to change the human spirit, and that's pretty amazing when you go through that. So that process got involved with Unified. One thing that we had discovered was at Special Olympics, we didn't work super well outside of the special education departments. Um, those were where we were comfortable; that was our norm. And my whole experience was working with outside partner organizations. And so when you mixed unified in with my experience, there was just a natural um, comfort and synergy there. And we really exploded in Arizona with a lot of um, relationships with outside the disabilities community and um, really opened a whole lot of doors for ourselves. And through that process and our growth, Arizona became a a leader in the unified movement um, and really had great financial success because of that. We also had great success in the health area and, and then I was asked to be the global chair for Unified, and uh, th- that was another process that's been very interesting and taught me tons of more lessons um, through the process. With uh, with watching communities in Africa that have no resources yet that Unified works in those environments, and um, and, and wealthy countries it works great as well in the Middle East. And so we just it just been an eye opening experience, but. Um, from day one, I've been blessed with the um, the opportunity by Coach McGowan of kicking me off a team and mixing me in with Diana to understand the true values of Special Olympics and that it's not just a sports organization. To many of our athletes, it is their whole social, emotional, um, and and life foundation. That's where they have their relationships and to be quite frank, that's what Unified's about. Uh, hopefully, Unified can open the whole door with the community um, sees how amazing our athletes are. And, um, that's our approach. We don't, we, we shouldn't have to have our athletes be dependent on special Olympics programming for that. We're always going to be there for them. But the big part is we want the communities to understand how awesome they are and, um, for them to tell their stories. So that's why the athlete leadership program and our, our, um, global messenger to tell their stories is so important for us. And, and really, that's our job is to open those doors and opportunities for them.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's that's the direction that we're headed with mm-hmm. Texas. You know, uh, you know, starting a year ago with Special Olympics. You know, I was told that sometimes, especially in Unified, you know, Texas is kind of behind the curve on it, and we're and we're making a big push for it. And and I think one of the big things for that is because Tim came on board and he's you know being ahead of you know head of Unified and pushing that and has really started a fire in Texas about really pushing Unified as a big thing that we're doing. Um, with Special Olympics Texas. Um, Two gentlemen that Tim know very well are also joining us today. Uh, They are sit on the state board for Special Olympics of Texas. We are joined by Jake Squires and Chris Kingston. Uh, We'll start with Jake. Uh, Jake works out of the Burke Center in Lufkin. That's in the East Texas area, Um, but he also sits on our board. Um, So, Jake, would you kind of go into uh, your background of, you know, what does the Burke Center do for for our athletes and for our population and, and your involvement within Special Olympics.
5: Yes, thank you and thank you for having uh, me. I've, I really been, enjoyed this format and uh, Ian and Bruce are great representatives of what they do and it's very inspiring. Uh, so I'm pleased to be a, a board member colleague uh, with them. Uh, I'm the chief operating officer for the Burke Center, which uh, is in East Texas, it provides services uh of mental health and developmental disabilities and it's a very large organization we cover about 12 counties but on the developmental disability side we have a full range of uh, services that start with uh, we are the state uh, contractor to provide um, intake and placement services but we're also a provider of developmental disability services including uh, residential group homes community uh, based uh, uh, service programs. We have several workshops where, uh, f- folks come in, uh, for uh day hab and some, tr- uh, training and, uh, also work opportunities. And, um, so it was about, uh, 13 years ago, I started here and I did not have any experience in either mental health or, uh, developmental disabilities. I was brought in as a, as a business guy, but I, uh, uh, Quickly uh, became drawn to our developmental disability programs, uh, particularly at the workshops uh, we would have in, in our town here. We've got five workshops, but our larger one is here in Lufkin, Texas, and I would uh, walk through our dayhab program and we would have 60 or 70 uh, clients uh, coming in every day and just was an absolute delight. But uh, early in my career, um, I had, uh, here at Burke, I had uh, learned about Special Olympics. um, And I'd asked one of my program directors if we participated in Special Olympics. And she said, uh, well, no, we don't because we don't like that whole term special. I go, what do you mean you don't like that word special? We don't think it's inclusive enough, so we don't really participate from an ideological standpoint. And I thought about it for a moment and I had, uh, but by then I'd already uh, witnessed the summer games at the uh, stadium and um, thought about it for a few weeks. I came back to her, I said, you know, I heard what you said and I understand from where you're coming from because it's important. Uh, to promote inclusive environments. But uh, what little I knew at that point of Special Olympics, I could tell that that was truly a great organization for our clients to be involved with. And uh, while not being too direct, I, I worked with that program director to say, you know, I think we need to get involved. And at that point, there was a small Special Olympics team here in Lufkin that had been in place for several years. And I think it kind of exhausted itself. It wasn't very organized. We had an area, so actually several area directors that have been through, so we didn't have a whole lot of continuity. And uh, so I said, you know, let's let's get involved. I'll do basketball. You know, I'm a tall guy. I don't play basketball, but um, I think people who think if you're over six, four, you're you must have played basketball. So. <laughs> I'll, take, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take basketball. I got trained up as a coach. And we uh, took over this team. And we got involved with bowling. And we got involved with uh, um, bocce, I think, as well. And, uh, of course, uh, summer games. And the first couple years of doing it, I absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, getting uh, Getting to know our athletes uh who before were just clients to us you really got to got to know them very uh, uh very inspiring and at, uh, also at the time this was probably around oh, 2014 2015 i became uh, uh frustrated that uh the area uh special olympics area was just very uh, our area directors, while they were good people, they just had so much on their plates. They uh, they had to organize, they had to do all the record keeping, they had to arrange events, they had to do fundraising, and they were just uh, one one person. And uh, I uh, I felt that you know we uh, our team was growing, other teams were growing, and that uh, we really needed to do. Better and in, and in East Texas, much like South Texas and West Texas, we oftentimes the uh, you know the rural areas that don't get uh, so we're used to not you know getting uh, the support like the Austins and the Houston's and the Dallas's. So um, I started getting interested in uh, in helping our area director get the uh, support and resources that they need so that we could you know, compete uh, more broadly. And uh, when Tim came on, I really started getting excited when I heard about his uh, experience and his focus on being more uh, uh, athlete-centered. And if we're gonna spend money, we need to be spending that money that is hard-earned uh, on uh, local services. and. Just within the last uh, 18 24 months there has been a complete turnaround in the focus of Special Olympics being more um, um,
6: uh,
5: athlete central and could not be more happy or more pleased with that uh, with that organizational shift uh, and also um, to Ian's point of uh, trying to get out uh, get out in the public more uh, we've here in uh, East Texas, we would do a month, or we would do an annual fundraiser. Uh, we would do a barbecue competition, because in East Texas, barbecue is uh, barbecue competitions are really big, and I'm a competitive cook. And so we, uh, I think, are now on the seventh year of uh, having these annual barbecue competitions. And what is special about it, not necessarily that uh, it earns very much money, but it it uh, the athletes all come. Some of them cook, but a lot of my other cook friends, because we all kind of cook together, we get they uh, we uh, we all cook at the same places usually about a half dozen times a year, and they said that uh, that this competition that we hold for the Burke Bobcats is their favorite because they love serving and working with uh with the athletes and these are guys that are you know the brothers of the world that that probably have had no contact over the years i have seen them build relations i've seen them uh, give i've seen them uh, participate as volunteers and i think it's uh, uh events like that that blend our athletes with the general community is really helpful because uh and and special because it uh everybody falls in love with special olympics athletes it's just a wonderful thing to be involved with
0: no awesome awesome stories and and you saying the the cooking competition that, that you held hold there and the fundraiser you held now uh a light bulb went off in my head. So I'll call you about that later, Jake. Uh, <laughs> and we can implement that. I
5: usually hold it in, uh, October. So I'll make sure you know about it. And we all also, the uh, athletes are the, the cook judges. Uh, awesome. so they, uh, they really love that. And, uh, but the one thing that's really hard is, is they don't know, uh, they have a hard time not eating every sample that comes in front of them. So. <laughs> By the 20th sample that comes over, oh, they're usually almost sick with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll eat the whole rib. And then by the fifth, they're like, they're tapped out.
0: Oh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's the true statement of Special Olympics that, you know, it's all for the athletes. And then giving it back to the athletes is the main point. Yeah. Of what we do. Definitely. Um, our next board member here is Chris Kingston uh, from Learfield IMG College. Um, so, Chris, we're glad to have you on uh, with us today and, and glad that you're here to talk to us about, you know, what your part in Special Olympics is, why you became a board member, and, and, and you know, what your position at Learfield IMG College uh, is and, and give us the rundown of that.
6: Yeah, so uh, appreciate the opportunity to join this group today. And uh, I think the coolest thing I learned today is that, Everett and I served as paratroopers at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, at the same exact time. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, Learfield IMG College. We're a, um, a multimedia and tech company. Uh, we serve over 200 colleges, um, arenas, and and bowl games in the in the media sense. And our, our overarching you know uh, mission is to connect. Uh, our uh, client brands, uh, you know, uh, out in corporate America, with with our collegiate partners, and so, you know, there's value in in um, a company aligning its brand with the passion of college athletics. So that's uh, that's what we do for the schools that we represent. Um, we represent a number of schools in in Texas from. Texas Tech, TCU, and Texas, all the way out east to SFA, and uh, you know, so we uh, we represent a lot of Texas as well as from you know east coast to west coast, all over the country. And, and um, you know, Special Olympics is uh has been a partner of, of Learfield and Learfield IMG College for for a while. Um, our company was originally founded in Missouri, and Roger Gardner and Greg Brown they had participated in. Uh, similar uh, board-type positions there, and so um, you know there's a there's an inherent partnership whether it's over the edge um, or you know some uh, bowling and other things that we've done through the company connecting with Special Olympics, and um, you know when an opportunity came came about uh, to participate at this level with you know the, the the shift that's that's going on and Tim's leadership and and so much like Jake, you know I I kind of raised my hand and see how could I get more involved and. In, you know, we, we also, we do a lot of things with our schools and, and it's not just, you know, the, the media part and, the, and the, the branding part, you know, if you hear a football game and someone said, you know, that's a, you know, timewater cable first down, you know, we sold that. Or if there's a some kind of uh, instant replay, uh, you know, co-branded, we sold that. Or if there's a radio ad, we sold that. And, and then there's, there's, there's this new thing in the last couple of five years, the the digital space. And that's where everyone lives, and 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 getting into the digital space. So this is really cool for me to see how um, much like our company, that Special Olympics and Special Olympics Texas is is seizing on um, the digital initiatives of So Connected and So Active, uh, keeping our athletes and partners engaged right now. Um, and super cool to see these two initiatives, you know basically born out of a pandemic that'll live beyond this it's something i heard Everett talk about in an earlier podcast that and then that's something that we've looked at too like right we're selling more digital stuff right now to partners because the, everyone's craving the actual games and we realized that these are things that need to live beyond just the pandemic you know period that we're in and that people like to consume more and more than we were already doing and so to to understand that these two initiatives uh, in our, in our community are going to continue on is, was, was pretty cool. Pretty cool for me to hear. Um, you know, I want to echo some of the things Jake talked about. I think, uh, you know, we're really blessed to have lured Tim away from Arizona and come to Texas, uh, Tim and his staff are truly professional, passionate folks that have led special Olympics to a tremendous place, you know, financially. And, um, You know and and like jake said tim's everything tim thinks about is about the priority and focus for our athletes and and their opportunities and their experiences and every time every time tim's able to take a partnership or a sponsorship and create uh those savings that that money goes right back to i've seen it it goes right back to to the athletes in in a very meaningful way um it's been a significant transformation, um, whether even in our more remote areas, whether it's vehicle support, staffing, uh, just the partnerships that have been created, Breakfast with champions initiatives, unified so college. And so that's why that's so the so college piece, I think, is uh, the part that I really resonates with me based on the enterprise that I'm in. And um, you know I love the stories. Like TCU and what they're doing there, um, what they did with uh, Jamie Dixon and the men's basketball and, and women's basketball programs, and the, the clinics that are happening there, the partnerships that are happening. Um, you know, Thomas and Casey had talked about early on about uh, you know bringing together the So College clubs with the you know the student athletes, and what a natural connection that exists to go from unified in high school to grow it. And I think it was, um, it might've been Thomas talking about how, how that natural progression that he looked for when he left home and came to TCU and uh, was looking for how, you know he basically started the club there and look what it's become today. You've got a, a major college division one basketball coach who's transitioned from uh, non-conference basketball to conference basketball in January. And you're having this, this this clinic where you know uh, just unbelievable things are happening and the partnership and truly, really like Tim that goes back to Tim's vision of how unified and 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 the population coming together, everyone coming together in, in the college college atmosphere and so for me that's that's the part that's that's really cool. I mean we've got those things going on at you know TCU, Tech, A and M, Midwestern State, and the Rowan and you know, soon Arlington and and SFA and Tarleton and all all the other places that are happening. And so just really cool for me to to do what I can to help be a part of that forge relationships where possible. And, um, you know, just honored and and blessed to be part of the organization uh, doing what we do. And really, it's 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 been it's been easy to do, Um, you know, when you when you just listen to these folks like Bryce talked earlier about Sean you know, Sean Lindsay's, uh, the area four three sport athlete, athlete leader, who's actively engaged in the SO connected and SO active and what's happening right now. And so, um, just, just a, a natural connection for our company, uh, to be involved, to be more involved. Um, we have a saying, and I don't know where it came from. Um, but I think it's awesome. I don't know if we plagiarized it, but we have a saying at work that's, uh, You know, we love when we win and we win when we love. And I think it's just so uh, appropriate for who we are, what we do, and for, you know, the Special Olympics uh, relationship uh, that we have.
1: That's awesome. Man, yeah, Yeah, I was there at at, at a lot of the uh, TCU things, you know, so I can only speak. Chris was there with us on on, uh, that as well, but, you know, I can only speak for the stuff there. Uh, and to see the reactions to our older athletes see some of our younger ones get to participate in like homecomings and things like that but our athletes that have already graduated you know when they finally get to get back into a school setting and get to perform uh, what they love to do in front of a crowd that they've never been able to do that before see usually you get moms and dads and family members yelling but to see thousand of other people screaming for you going up it, it was just amazing to watch the athletes because a lot of them were starting to show off their true ability so it was yeah. pretty amazing
0: and we get to the part of the podcast i think where everyone wanted to ask some hard-hitting <laughs> questions you want to be like a journalist here so i think i think that means we got to open the floor
1: back we up we got to open tim. the floor back up to tim tim <laughs> The question that everyone has been wanting to know, so I'm coming straight to the source. When do you think that games will be, other than virtual games now, but games will be able to to start back up here in the state of Texas?
4: Well, I wish I had a, a solid answer for you on that, Everett, but I will tell you the steps we're taking in that process. Um, you know, I, I'm a risk taker, but uh, – and. That's always been my character and nature, but I'll tell you, um, we know this week, we actually had a, um, one of our staff persons in our organization lost a brother um, who was 38 years old and healthy um, to the COVID virus over the weekend. And those, this is a very significant issue. I've been very educated on that. We do have a mitigation committee that's working on that right now and uh, a return to play committee is kind of how I refer to them. And, and you know we're looking at the sports that are, are going to be um, safe for that and w- we've put together some really good representatives people that strongly support and know the nature of the programs um, we have board members like Jan Sarton that come from the program side of things and then school teachers um, and, and adult programs as well that represent the program side but we also have the medical professionals, uh, Dr. Kamir from Baylor School of Medicine, um, whose focus is at their IDD clinic. Um, also um, Dr. Fred Club, a pathologist, doctor of veterinary medicine, doctor of medical med- um, uh, human medicine in regards um, that are chairing that for us, along with um, you know police chiefs and fire chiefs that are looking at all the different aspects to bring together for safe competition. After our first couple of meetings, it's very clear um, that that focus is going to be on the local competition where we can control the size. Um, we we don't um, think that it will, we don't think that play at the local level um, will be as affected because there's so many issues coming to a state level or even a regional competition with transportation. But the the reality is, I think that we will start seeing more going on towards the end of august first part of september we know globally special olympics is closed down um, to all activities through june 30th Um, we anticipate that that will be extended a little bit Um, some of the interesting facts that came up from our medical professionals is we do know that individuals with um, idd um, have a five times risk of mortality and infection Um, with the COVID virus, so it's a very significant um, safety risk for us as an organization to open up um, irresponsibly um, in in that aspect. The sports we're looking at for the fall, though, are um, golf. We're also looking at adding an additional form of golf um, through disc golf or Frisbee golf because there's so many of those courses and the social distancing is very possible. Plus, a lot of our athletes that may not have the um, fine and gross motor skills to be able to participate in a golf aspect can do that with the frisbee, and and the rules will be very similar. Bocce is going to be a huge sport as well that we can socially distance. Um, I actually watched um, from Corpus the national championships of the cornhole tournament, and they had uh, everything we're watching from NASCAR to every sports event. We're working with all the different leagues and everything but how do we work rotations? How do we get back to our places and keep our spaces? Um, so we're, I wish I had a solid answer on it, but we are working very, very hard behind the scenes to get our athletes back together. Um, and I get reminders every day from parents um, and caregivers of how important this is to our athletes. And, and we understand that Special Olympics is not just that localized um sports program we're, we're so much more so um it's a priority that f- feels like a political answer because i'm not giving you an answer but the reality is, we're working very hard we just don't know enough yet to say where the safety factor is going to come from but i would anticipate by the first of september we will have local activities up and going
1: Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. And I seen Jake uh, shaking his head. Uh, a lot of a lot of people may not know. You know, with our our athletes in this type of community, you know, we really do have to play it a little, be a lot more safe. Yeah. Than than most, because a lot of our athletes, uh, they do. They their their immune system is lower, and they can uh, they can get affected really easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah
5: there's uh, also another. Um, Uh, factor that uh, one of the things that that is uh, so wonderful about these events is just how much love is in the air and uh, one of the biggest defenses about uh, preventing the spread is social distancing and a lot of our athletes just they don't they don't do social distancing it's in their nature to hug it's in their nature to uh, so that there, there is that aspect as, as well. Is that you know that what, what works for the general population with protective gear, and social distancing and being mindful of, uh, of how the the, the uh, the virus is spread, uh, uh, our athletes don't uh, don't get that as well as everybody else. And so we have to be even more. Uh, cautious than the general general uh, public because of those factors.
1: Yes, sir. Definitely. That's, that goes back to what I tell anybody. If you've never uh, been a volunteer or ever been to a, a Special Olympic event, um, I tell our volunteers, you'll leave with one of your muscles hurting, and that is your face because you're going to be smiling so much because it is. The atmosphere there is just so... It is a loving atmosphere and it's a overwhelming, you know, for me to go in there and have a bad day. As Jake said earlier, all I need to do is go to, if I'm at a bowling competition, go to lane two and three and watch them bowl and watch how excited they are. It just changes your whole outcome of everything. So. You know, that's that's the one thing that I believe that a lot of the staff here with Special Olympics. I mean, Tim, uh, yes, there were staff members that were here before Tim got here. But I want to say they all have the same drive as uh, Tim yeah. because we do. Yeah. But we all do it a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way Tim has has done this. He's he surrounded himself with like minded folks that want the best for these athletes in this mm-hmm. community. But they all come at it at a different different direction so you know and 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 listening to chris sounds like that's the way the board is as well
0: yeah everybody's moving in the the same direction and
1: and that goes right into
0: you know that's a great segue into the next question that i wanted to ask to you know open up to anybody but we'll go to tim first and i think as staff members we'll know we'll know the answer but what's that one thing that you look for tim when you walk into a competition that special olympics putting on or any event that special olympics putting on what's the what's the one thing that needs to stand out to you
4: it, well, you know, since I've arrived here, I say athlete experience, but to me, it's pageantry. Um, um, Chris and Jacob heard me talk about this ad nauseum, but when our athletes show up at a competition, they need to know it is major league. Um, I don't care if it's at a local level. I don't care if it's a national level. Um, our athletes deserve to be treated like the superstars they are, in my opinion. And um, and if that's not there for them, um, then it's very frustrating to me. It's not about um, personal convenience for staff. It's not about personal convenience for the volunteers. Um, it is about social, um, very colorful and actively engaged environments for our athletes. And um, and if that's not present, uh, the, the staff team knows my frustration levels on, on those type of things. And um, and, and we're going to make a lot of mistakes, and that's something I also encourage is um, you, you can't get better or you certainly can't get great without making mistakes and trying new things. And um, so, you know, that that's another piece. I, every competition I go to, I want to learn something and find a new idea that a staff member tried. It might not have worked perfectly, but um, the only way you, you're going to make it perfect is if you try it and you keep trying it and you correct on what you've done before. So. Um, Those are the types of things. But I would say the one thing is pageantry and making sure that our athletes um, are treated like the major league um, players they are.
0: Yeah, since Bruce and Ian are still with us, we'll go to Bruce. Bruce, when you go to an event, a competition, or or a fundraiser or anything, what's what's the first thing that you want to see when you walk in? What's that wow factor that you want to see?
3: I think just making... um everything uh, major league for our athletes like Tim said like it doesn't matter whether that's a state event or area event just make sure that um, that it's up to the standards of our athletes because I think Tim will tell you that, that the standard that we're that we're looking for a judgment on as an organization is our athletes and if our athletes aren't Wowed by by it, then then that's a problem because we as an organization are all about our athletes, um, and I think that's the really important aspect of why we created Etho Connect is because we were we really wanted our athletes to be engaged with Etho Connect because obviously we can't be engaged with them at events and practices right now. So um yeah, so I think it's just uh reaching the standards that are ha- that our athletes have rather an organization. So
0: what's your what's your favorite event or competition to go to, Bruce?
3: Um my favorite event to watch or to compete in? Both. Okay. Compete, um I would probably say basketball. Um and to watch, um, I would say softball probably. And Tim and I were actually bocce partners for one year when we were both in Arizona, he was my unified partner for bocce.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So Chris, when you go to a special Olympics event, when you walk in, what's the, what's the one thing that catches your eye that's at every event that you're just like, wow, that's a, that's the true definition of, of special Olympics.
6: Well, I think the things that, like, go back to what Tim said and the the athlete first, athlete centric. Um, uh, you can you can see that even even at non-athletic events like the uh, Breakfast with Champions, you can see um, the 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 pageantry of that those events and how how well they're run. You know, it's interesting. Um, last year down at Morgan's Wonderland, you know, and and I remember Tim driving us around. Um, you know, my eye goes to kind of opportunity to, uh, to, to try and enhance those things from, you know, a sponsorship opportunity and the things that are out there and, and, and just kind of seeing the things that we have done, you know, with Pete Carey and Toyota, some, some of the wonderful large scale things that have happened And my eye goes to what can still be and, and how we can grow those things. And, and then again, you know, further enhance, uh, the athletes, uh, experiences.
0: Awesome. I mean, and Jay kind of the same question to you when you walk into a Special Olympics event Either if it's a competition or a fundraiser, what, what's that wow factor that, that you see at every event?
5: Well, uh, I'll actually come at it from a different perspective. Uh, when I go to an event, uh, what I don't want to see is uh, people standing around uh, whether to be volunteers or uh, coaches or especially athletes Standing around, not really knowing what's going on. It all starts uh, well before the event with um, uh, good planning, coordination, and communication, uh, so that you know volunteers are there before the event, and there's organizers there you know, handing out the t- stopwatches, making sure there's batteries, there's, uh, uh, and that the, uh, uh, that everything works and that the coaches know where they're supposed to go and when the events are, what courts are gonna be three on three and what area is gonna be uh, skills. Uh, The last, uh, I would say this last year, I've seen a significant change in uh, the pre-event planning and communication so that when everybody gets there, we uh, have the big event, the uh, uh, the big ceremony and we can get right into the games and it's just like, it's clicking. I would say uh organization and planning is uh, probably the most important thing for everybody's experience.
0: You know, the, the, the main point of, of, of everything so far is to stay connected. That's right. Stay connected with the community around you, with your friends, and this is a really, really good way Um, To do it Um, again, every Wednesday at noon, a new episode drops, except next week for Memorial Day weekend. We are actually taking a week off. So we'll have we will have one up this Wednesday. So be on the outlook for the new podcast coming on the 20th. Um, but the 27th, a new episode will not drop, and we will be back on June 3rd. That's right. Okay, so we're signing off for, for a week here, but we will definitely be back with y'all. Enjoy the Memorial Day weekend, and remember what it's actually celebrating, the real reason behind Memorial Day. Um, get out there with family and friends, but remember the real reason why we that's right. celebrate Memorial Day. Yes. Um, but that's it for us here with uh, Welcome to the Revolution. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll catch you next time.
5: This podcast is made possible by our statewide partners. Those statewide partners are the Law Enforcement Torch Run Community, HEB Tournament of Champions, Food Town, Independent Buyers Co-op, Knights of Columbus, City of Richardson Corporate Challenge, Coca-Cola Southwest Beverages. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope you join us again on the next episode of The Revolution.